Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Welcome back to another helpful episode of Vitalnomics, where we're encouraging and equipping leaders to mobilize the church towards vitality. Today, we have our friend Jim Randall from Exano back in the studio with us to continue our conversation around clarity. And today, we're talking about clarity first, discovering our kingdom concept, part one. We're doing this in two parts because there's a lot of stuff to unpack to help your church go further faster. So we are excited about talking about how do we glorify God and make disciples. And so Jim, welcome back to the show. And I'm glad that you're a part of this conversation. Oh, thanks, Gary. It's always good to be with you and looking forward to sharing with you a little bit of some of these tools that God's given us to help churches move toward that vitality by really, like you said, discovering that kingdom concept, what makes them unique. Yeah, thanks so much. It's 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 love. I I love having these conversations because it really just kind of I guess jars my thinking a little bit. And I know our listeners are thinking like, "Wow, I'd never heard that before." And so these are really really helpful. So I just appreciate you just taking your time and just pouring into the context of our listeners. Oh, absolute privilege. And and you know, Gary, it's funny you even said that. As soon as you said it, it jogged. It reminded me that of my ministry years serving uh, on church staff in a pastoral role of kind of having that, uh, th- this wasn't a phrase back then, but it could not be any more true of we don't know what we don't know. Right. And and listening and being engaged in conversations like this completely just uh, from leaders like yourself, Gary, and even other people helps me to kind of think in terms of, oh gosh, how would I answer that? And right. I right. wish I'd have had some of this uh, years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're talking about clarity first and discovering our kingdom concept. So let's kind of move into revitalization because that's really what what we're talking about. So what are you seeing in regards to revitalization in 2023? So maybe give us your your thoughts and observations that relate to that. Yeah, you know, Gary, man, what a great question. And, you know, it's, it's funny, I I, I've shared with you before, I look to you as just being this, uh, man, this almost not just the vitality guru, but you know, that actually is how I look to you as a, a vitality oh, guru to, <laughs> oh, to help to help churches in this world of revitalization. Yeah. But I do have the privilege of traveling the country mm. and, and kind of seeing uh, the heartbeat of pastor, seeing what's going on, see what's happening with churches, serving churches week in and week out. Our entire team does. Yeah. And you know what? I, in asking that question, I... I see a bit of a difference, and I'm curious, Gary, if you see this too, honestly. We've not talked about this before, but I've seen a difference, I would even say, in the last four years in the space of revitalization. And, and this is what I mean by that. I think pre-COVID, I saw almost a, a bit of a taboo conversation in the world of revitalization. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it, it wasn't talked about. Yeah. Like you, it was almost seen as a, like, if you brought that up, yeah. our church needs revitalization. It was a sign of failure. 
That's right. For a pastor. And they yeah. weren't going to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, or if you had the word, if revitalization came into play, a pastor was like, Oh gosh, that's going to be an uphill battle. Let's yeah. just, just, just keep doing ministry in this. And, and what I heard pre COVID it was all about church planting, all about church starting. That's and by right. the way, God knows we need that, right? Not right. even remotely saying that it's a either or. There's no question it's a both and. But the conversation as it related to as it related to church and even health and even churches making a difference was more about planting churches than it was revitalizing churches. But in the last year, two years, yeah. And it's it's like there's been a normalization, yes, of, of of for pastors to go, hey, we can have this conversation. All of us now, every church, the mega mega, the giga church, yes, needed revitalization post COVID. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And and it just all of a sudden made the conversation about revitalization. I would use the phrase mainstream. That's right. Yeah, and it made it easier to talk about. It made it easier to address it, and every church had to start thinking about revitalization through the world of regathering, through the word of reengaging, through the world of 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 introducing you know people far from God uh, in their community when their own church community was no longer in church. Yes. So it just so I I don't know. There's a and I, and I am really appreciative of you because you bring a uh, you 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 bring you you've helped normalize it. And you help provide solutions toward vitality and talking about the, the the positive, the glass is half full, not half empty. Yeah. So back when when I got into this, like nobody was talking about it, just like you said. So this is back probably around 20, 2012 was like where, really where the interest started. But then 2013, yeah. I was in it and there was people that weren't writing books on it. It was not popular. Right. It was kind of like that. Oh, we don't talk about that. And people right. even tried to sway me into planning a church rather than revitalizing. But God put that yeah. call on my life. And and you fast forward now. It seems that everybody's writing a book on revitalization. And, <laughs> right. and, and I think the, the reality is, is it's because there's revitalization in a lot of areas, our economy. Um, there's, you know, revitalization in our direction as a country. Yes. Uh, things are falling apart. Businesses are need revitalization. Yep. So we're seeing it on a, on a mega level. And then, you know, put, put that in the church. It's like, you're taking the pressure from outside and it's coming inside the church and people are just trying to find life and hope again. And so it's, it's, it's everywhere. And so that's yeah. why this conversation is key to helping yeah. churches realize like we, we need to wake up and we need to do stuff yeah. differently. Yeah, absolutely. Great. The awareness is greater. So the conversation's easier. That's right. Yeah. And so why don't we jump into the the conversation of, okay. of the clarity? Like where, okay. where do you start in helping a church move towards organizational <laughs> clarity? Cause that's key. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and we would say that it is, you know, uh, you know, one of the key aspects for a church to have vitality begins with the church having clarity or includes the church having clarity for sure. It's no clarity isn't everything, right? right. Clarity isn't That's the right. only thing related to church vitality, but it does have a tendency to change everything, right? Yeah. Uh, in the way that in the way that a church positions itself. So yeah. So where we start is we start with what we call the concept of uh, the principle of the kingdom concept. Yeah. And the kingdom concept is uh, you want to think about a, a simple, clear, big idea that defines how your church 
will, as you said a moment ago, glorify God and make disciples. Yeah. So think of it as your church's great permission within the great commission. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what's that very unique kind of blessing that, that God has given to your church to fulfill the great commission? And what's crazy is, in, you know, years ago, early in my ministry, I couldn't answer that for my, my ministry. Our team couldn't answer that right. because we didn't have the conversations around it. And so God, you know, God led us in Zano to help create tools to help ministry leaders like myself at the time, like yourself, begin to ask the questions to be able to get to those answers. And so really what we're asking is what differentiates us from 10,000 other churches? Yes. Very important. Very important to me. Not what makes us better than 10,000 other churches. Right. We're all, we're all in the king, in the building the kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's yep. what we're about is building the kingdom. Right. But what differentiates us in that, that role and responsibility of helping to build the kingdom. And so kingdom concept will help us uncover uh, our uniqueness. And we like to say in three realms. And so today I want to talk about those three realms and, and get those questions on the table and get a, get a pastor, get a, get a vision team to start thinking about answering those questions within those three realms and then part two, we're going to pull those together yeah. and we're going to address, okay, what's the more specific, what's the sweet spot of those three realms that really answers that question of, of uh, how do we glorify God and make disciples in a unique way as a church? Those three realms, by the way, are local predicament, collective potential, and apostolic esprit. So we want a church to uncover uh, what's unique about their church in those three realms. And to do that, they got to ask a lot of questions. They got to address a lot of issues and they got to kind of wrestle with some ideas to, to kind of get to that point. Yeah, that's good. Before we unpack those, I, I remember yeah. clearly that, you know, when I first stepped into revitalization, I, I didn't yeah. notice clarity. I noticed blurry. Yeah you know, blurry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was right, kind of like, right, we all had right, glasses, right. but we all had fingerprints on our glasses. But once I got that spray that they hook you up with, when you get a new pair of glasses to kind of clean your oh, glasses, yeah. uh, once oh, I yeah. cleaned those glasses and we started to bring organizational clarity around our church, all of a sudden the lanes opened and everybody understood yeah. why we do what we do. And if other churches down the street did something, we're like, great, let's, let's cheer them on. But we need to figure out what our lane is. And, yeah. uh, and ride that lane and we stay in that lane. And so, yeah, let's, let's talk, let's unpack those, those three things. So let's talk okay. about first what you said, the local predicament, like explain what that means. Yeah. So, so the local predicament, um, is, is what are, what are the unique needs and opportunities where God has placed you, where God has placed your church? Um, and so on this particular one, we want to think in terms of, we want to think of our place, right? Mm. We want to think of our community, like our geographic footprint. So, so in order to do that, you want to just, you want to take a step back and you want to answer some of the questions like, what is it that is uh, maybe geographically unique? We're in the, we're in the crossroads of our community. I work with a church in Lakeland, Florida. And if you know anything about Florida, 
Lakeland, Florida is between pretty much between Orlando and Tampa. Right. And it's right off of 75, right off of I-10, right off I-10 primarily, but 75 cuts to it. And it's considered kind of the, the crossroads of Florida. And it's one of the, one of the biggest distribution centers, location cities in the entire United States. I think wow. of a, another area like up in, um, up in Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, there's a crossroads of interstates that come there, comes through there. Right. And so you start to think about like, for example, that one area, what was unique for them in a negative way was a, uh, it was a kind of a crossroads of human trafficking. Right. Wow. Um, and very, you know, uh, outside of Los Angeles and New York, more girls, women were trafficked, uh, through that one corridor than anywhere wow. else in the United States. Right. But then you go and local predicament doesn't always have, it isn't necessarily negative predicament. What uh, think about predicament as a definition of the situation that God has us in. And so if you really have to use a different word, I would say, what's our local context. That's right. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so faith bridge church in Jacksonville, Florida is at the, at the, at the entrance of Jacksonville Naval air station. You know, if you're seated at the, at the front of Jacksonville Naval air station, you've got a unique culture of community that you're reaching out to. Yeah. Uh, Trinity church in East Lansing, Michigan, right there at Michigan state university and the, all of the impact of a major university and the dynamic of how that affects leadership, how that affects, you know, what's going on in the community and, and the ideology of the community and all those types of things. And so you're asking a questions. And I think one of my favorite questions if, if I were to kind of pin, pin it down, and by the way, Gary, um, one of the things that I want to provide to the, to the, uh, to those that are part of the podcast today is I want to provide a, um, uh, a series of questions for each one of these about maybe 10 to 15 questions for each one of them wow. for them to ask with their team. It's really good. And, and walk through and have heavy, you know, heavy, good conversations about it. But I think one of my favorite questions for local predicament personally is I love hearing a team answer. What is the what is the atmosphere of lostness mm. where you live? What is the atmosphere of lostness? And and I, I, I have given an example of this before. I, I spent many years in Mississippi, and uh, now I'm in Florida, right? Mm. And the years that I spent in Mississippi, I, I'd give this as a characteristic of the atmosphere of lostness. I would sit in a restaurant. And for every 10 people in the restaurant, in my mind, this was the atmosphere of lostness, that at least eight out of 10 people thought that they were born a Christian. Wow. Born a Christian. Now, I didn't say they are a Christian. That's right. But their perception was they're Christ followers by birthright. Wow. So I pop up and move to Florida several years later. My son has a big birthday party, pool party. There's about 15, 20 kids out there. And so for that same number of, of kids here representing about 10 families, um, there was representative of one family out of 10, one family out of 10 that had even a beginning story. I mean, a, a solid story of a faith background. And that was of being from the, uh, from the Mormon religion. Wow. We had one kid out of 10 that claimed some type of faith background and it was Mormon and the other nine, it was ambivalence. Wow. Atmosphere of lostness, completely different. 
yeah. within the locale where we live. Wow. So that's a big wrestle point that a team needs to wrap their head around for their community and where they are. No, that's, that's really good. Like I, I think about us, like one of the things we recognize is that in, in our area, there's a, it's, it's not necessarily a homeless shelter, but it's similar to, it's the only place in our county that actually yeah. helps displaced families that are experiencing homelessness. So they actually okay. house the entire family. And so what we did was, is we said, okay, well, who's coming behind that organization to uh. help them? And so we, you know, we'll bake meals for the families. We'll, you know, clothing, like whatever it is. And like, we're, we're like, okay, we're, you know, they're an extension of us. So we want to help our community. So we realize, okay, that's something we need to do and step into that. So that was something unique in our predicament. Gary, that completely epitomizes the answer to the macro question for local predicament. And that is, what are the unique needs and opportunities where God has placed us? That was the unique, that is the unique need and opportunity where God has placed your church. And you're, you know, as a church, you're answering that question. Okay, if God has us here, then what are we doing about that? Yeah, no, that's good. Right? Oh, that's great. Great, great word there. So, so we talked about local predicament. Now let's yeah. kind of move to the second one. Okay. Collective potential. Okay. So if local predicament was about our place and our community, then collective potential is about our people and our congregation. So you're going to follow a kind of a trend I'm doing yes. here, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, they're going to, you know, got the alliteration happening for both of these, but uh, local predicament is about our place. And then it's about our people or the people who are part of our congregation. And so the question that gets asked that the macro question for collective potential is what are the unique resources and capabilities that God brings together in us collectively as a church. Mm. And you know, what I, what I like to think about here is kind of popular two to three things are kind of popular. It's popular for the pastor, you know, eh, maybe a few years removed, but stands up on the stage and turns around and does a selfie with the entire congregation in the oh, background. No. Right. Right. You've seen that a little bit. Uh, oh, I've seen boy. a church pull, pull a drone up to the top of the, of the worship center and take an aerial view of kind of, it's kind of a, a shot of everybody who's in there. And you know, the one thing that I like about that idea is you're capturing a photo mm. of the people who call your church home. And the idea behind collective potential is that if we take that entire group that's in that phone era, photo, our entire congregation, and really ask the question, what's unique about this, the people who are in this photo? Mm. Like you really were collectively to go, what's unique about the people in this photo, then you start to, you start to almost tap into a, uh, a set of gifts and mm. abilities and talents and callings that, and personalities that can really make a difference in your community. And look, can, let me give you a couple examples of this that, that we've seen through the years. So I'm thinking of a church in, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they, they do this process and the church is located in what I would kind of call a, a medical area uh, of Shreveport. So there's okay. uh, L LSU med medical centers there, lots of other hospitals, lots of, you know, the surrounding uh, doctor's offices that they would go to. So this particular congregation had a large component of physicians, of nurses, of OTs, of mm. PTs. Of I mean, it was just a large, large number. And so what came with that were gift of gifts of care of mercy 
right, of healing. Uh, and so just a high gift mix that that said, hey, you know what? This church, they don't need to be out there doing um, uh, uh, construction on their mission trips, right? right? They, they, they need to be out there doing what? They need to be out there doing medical missions. They need right. to be doing, you know, things that kind of fit the collective potential. Uh, I, I think of another church that privileged to serve uh, that's outside the University of Florida. And um, and once again, a, a, a strong leaning of, of people within their church that are educators, both from the collegiate level, uh, high school level, secondary, all types of of level because there's a there's an affinity toward education and so once again the desire to the gifting of teaching mm. right the the desire to help people to understand the raising up of the next generation is a big deal with this church and kind of realizing that begins to go wow that's how god uses us to fulfill the great commission different than how he may use a church that's 5 miles down the road or 10 10 miles down the road and so it's super cool when you when you can look into your congregation and you can begin to see. And, and once again, you're going to see lots of representations. But if you start to see pockets of, of, mm. of affinity and stuff like that, you can begin to go, OK, God's God's got something for us as a congregation that kind of only we can do. That's a pretty cool place to be as a as a pastor and as a ministry leader to know you can leverage those strengths for yeah. the kingdom. Yeah, I love I love this whole concept because I think what this does is it gets rid of the carbon copy ministry mentality. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, I'm just this church is doing it. Hey, we're going to do yeah. it. You know, kind of like we alluded to, which is a great program, Awana. Well, the church right. in the streets doing Awana, we need to do Awana. Um right. so for us, we're like, hey, if that church is doing Awana, that's great. Let's send our people there and then we're going to do something different because collectively we want to speak into, like you said, those pockets in our community and we want to right. figure out how we're unique. And so that's, right. that's, that's critical. That's so critical. I, I, uh, I'm reminded of a, of a church in, um, in North Carolina, I pull up and they've got these, they've got these three big barns with these 20 foot, um, garage doors that are opening up into these barns. Right. And, uh, and really garages, I'm saying barns, but they really were garages. <laughs> And they had a, a building off to the side of it. And I'm totally curious, what is this? And as I engage, all of a sudden I realized they are the they are the epicenter of disaster relief for North Carolina wow. because the collective potential of everybody in their congregation has this rescue mentality, has this, we're going to, you know, we want to help people in need. And if you can just imagine the old school hotline, like you just imagine that there's somebody sitting in there by the phone and they're just waiting to respond to the next disaster. It's because, and, and I'm being I'm being facetious there, but they're ready right. because they have a collective potential and a passion. That's what they love doing is helping people in need. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Um, I like what you said. What is our mentality? Because that's yeah. that's important. Because a church, every church has a mentality. Sometimes the mentality yeah. is like we don't want new people in our church, <laughs> yeah, uh, right? And some of it's like right. how can we reach more people in our church? And so I, I love yeah. that concept of what you said. Mentality. Let's look yeah. at number three. Okay, um, cool. In our time, so let's talk about apostolic esprit. What in the world is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I think in our entire process, Gary, we catch a little more flat or a little more grief 
on the use of those two words than maybe anything else. It's kind of like, you know, the, the words by themselves actually make perfect sense. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. They're perfectly clear. But when you put them together and you put them in a, an environment like this, people are looking at you like deer in the headlight at first, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, apostolic, right? The gift of leadership, right? Just that ability to lead, administer, and just direct, right? Just, you know, we, we understand that word by itself. And esprit, well, you know, I, I listen, I'm, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s. <laughs> and somewhere around, I don't even know the year, but in, in my world, it kind of came into play in the 70s where these esprit shoes, right? And right. this is like, the, these are the shoes that come out and they're known, you know, their commercials were like, they make you feel like you're walking on air and they kind of put a pep in your step, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what the word esprit means. It, it means a lift. It means to elevate. It means to kind of make someone, you know, strive for something or lift up for something. And so you take those ideas. It's what makes our le- leadership excited. What gets our, our leadership excited? So if we go back to our literative words, we have place, people. Well, now we have passion. Yeah. Place for local predicament. Collective potential is the word people. Well, apostolic the spree is the word passion. So it's place people, passion. What are the leaders of our church passionate about? What gets us jacked up? What gets us like excited? What, like, what really gets us out of the bed in the morning? And listen, we're going to, you know, we, you know, not every church is going to have the same kind of passion area and certainly not every ministry leader within the church is going to have the same passion area. So it's key to discover that and by the way, that the, the C words, right? That the same alliterative. What's our, you know, our community, our congregation? Well, the third C now is our calling. Right. So it's our community, our congregation, and our calling. What is it that gets us excited? And so the 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 macro question is this: What particular focus most energizes and animates our leadership? So what gets us, you know, what gets, what, what's the focus? And so I think of, this is probably, uh, probably about 20 years ago, Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, was a, was a church plant. And as a church plant, so the leaders that came to plant that church under, along with Vance Pittman and, and two right. to three or four other leaders, uh, one of the things that as they were walking through these three components of collective of uh, a kingdom concept when they got to this collective potential there is a uh, um, uh, almost a a super clear identification that what um, focus energizes and animates them that even got them to that point were two things number one a clear and just an absolute clear passion for life change yes for for seeing people who were far from god come to Christ. Mm. Now, you know, once again, there is lostness everywhere, but in Las Vegas, Nevada, certainly 20 years, 25 years ago. Mm. Um, and, and even today, honestly, it's around our, around our entire culture, around our world. So I don't want to, I don't want to put the spotlight just on Las Vegas. Right. Sure. Yeah. But known for a, a, a city of sin. That's right. Known for a city of lostness. Yes. And so boom, unique, right calling there. And then there was a second one that all came out of a world that was about reaching teenagers for Christ. Mm. And so as Hope Church started, 
they started with an apostolic spree to, yes, reach people for Christ, but even more specifically, reach the teenager for Christ, reach the family for Christ. Yes. And now that church has reached tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of of people, planted four or five generations of churches Mm. out of a collect, out of an apostolic spree that was about life change and an apostolic spree that was about reaching teenagers for Christ. So it's a beautiful thing when a team can sit down and work through these three questions. Yes. Right. The, the question of what are the unique needs and opportunities where God has placed us? What are the unique resources and capabilities that God brings together in us? Mm-hmm. What particular focus energizes and animates our leadership? The, the questions of place, people, and passion. When a team can, can wrestle with that and get that, get on the same page there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You talk about how do we uniquely glorify God and make disciples? You, you get really close to answering that question when a team is wrestling with that, has wrestled that down. Yeah, this is so good because I see this even from our last podcast. We talked about the upper room, lower room. Yeah, It's like yeah. I, I really feel that these two conversations really go together because we talked about what do people value. And so values dictate behaviors and behaviors dictate a culture in a church yes. or in an organization. Yes. So if you get people to value the upper room things, well, then yeah. the lower room is going to go away. You know, it's going to kind of yeah. be like those houses in North Carolina on the water. There is no lower room. Everything's up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Well, what we want to do next time, Gary, is we want to go, okay, we, we've, we've identified, we've answered the questions in the three realms. Is there a way for us to take that, those three realm answers and bring it together and look at kind of a, a sweet spot, right? Yeah. To where mm-hmm. we can truly begin. And so what I certainly want to do in our next meeting is give some, unpack that a little bit. And then once again, give a tool to help a church discover that kingdom concept, what truly makes them unique. Wow. This is, this has been great. And I hope to our listeners, I, I hope you're finding this helpful and I hope this is maybe stirring up you know, some interest and saying, wow, we, we need to work on this stuff. And, you know, summer's a great yeah. time to do that. Summer's oh, a yeah. great time to kind of reset and relaunch right. uh, for the right. fall. But this has been great, Jim. And I just I just want to say thank you again to you, Ixano, yeah. and just our partnership with Vitalnomics yeah. and, and Church Vitality Network. It's just great and helping churches go further, faster. And so here at the Church Vitality Network, we want to continue to encourage and equip leaders to mobilize the church toward vitality. And so until next time, we will talk to you soon and make sure you download all the great resources that we have for you.